This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason T. Mears Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? Happy New Year, JT. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. 2019, we made it, man. Barely, by the skin of our teeth. I know. Let me just say this. I started off the new year going straight to the doctor. That was the very first thing I did and got a steroid shot in my butt. That That's, but I mean, you look a lot stronger. You Thank look you. A lot healthier. I, yeah. I immediately felt better. Let me, let me break down my holiday break for you. We had uh, two cases of pink eye. We had seven ear infections, one case of the flu, uh, four sinus infections, and one emergency room visit. And that was between Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Man, I'm already exhausted. Yeah. Just listening to you. My yeah. eyes hurt. Yeah. My ears hurt. It's hard to breathe. Um, Man. It's hard to hear. That family life you lead, brother. No, it's, it's terrible. Don't do it. Don't, I'm kidding. It's, it's all worth it every moment. Every it's okay because I'm not. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Uh, so, uh, Holiday, did you get any awesome gifts? Any, anything that was excellent that you'd like to talk about? Yeah. Um, I got the Beastie Boys book. Mm. I'm in the middle of that right now. It's nice. fantastic. Oh, that's great. And I got some shelves for my records. Oh, so sweet. That was cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to get those up off the floor. I know you've you been know. living like a slob, just like milk crates and, you know, like no bed frame. Yeah, and I just want to verify for the listeners that I do enjoy the Beastie Boys, and I have a record collection. So, I, if you can't pin him down, make total sense, right? If if you can't pin him down, maybe now you can. Uh, cool, cool. So, uh, Bill and Ted, man, it's it's been a while since we've been in here. It's so good to see you. It's so, I'm so stoked to sit down and talk about some more Bill and Ted, man. We've got some good stuff coming up these next few episodes. I'm really, really yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah. More interviews coming. Mm-hmm. Um, as we approach the 30th anniversary of Excellent Adventure oh, 2. Oh, man, so How great. about that? that 30 that, years. That, that makes sense. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it, that doesn't seem like so terribly long ago at all, does it? <laughs> oh, my God. Not at all. Oh, You're man. so old. Like when you could sit down in Pizza Huts. Yeah, exactly. Know? Exactly. <laughs> and it wasn't just a crappy buffet. Um, okay, so we today are definitely going to talk about at least two things, right? Uh, we're going to talk about um, sequels trilogies Mm -hmm. uh we're going to discuss that in relation to the bill and ted universe what we know about bill and ted face the music right and uh kind of what we hope for bill and ted yeah yeah maybe maybe some casting what ifs oh that would be suggestions that would be really cool um and then also we're gonna spend a few minutes because over the holidays you were gifted these most excellent packs of bill and ted trading cards yes yes a good friend of the pod amanda gave us some Awesome, most excellent, most atypical Bill and Ted's movie cards. Yeah, and uh, these were a lot of fun to open and go through, and we're going to share them with you a little bit. Um, is the bodacious trip to San Dimas, California still possible, you think? Or I'm, is that expired, maybe? I, I am actually... Oh, you know what we did? Oh, we, so we opened these when we were um, celebrating at, at, a, uh, at a bar we were drinking, and we tried scratching off the front of these. Uh, cards, mm-hmm. but the thing is, they actually open up, and the scratch is on the inside. So right. we're gonna we're gonna scratch these off. Excellent. And we're gonna see if we can win. I'm glad and, we're taking another pass at this. And the, the somewhat sober is, now. If one of these does win, we know a lawyer. So <laughs> <laughs> I will be fighting pro set tooth and nail to get to San Dimas. We're gonna do this. Bodacious Esquire. All right. So. Film sequels. Uh, how Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey fits in with the tradition of sequels. 
what it does right, which is pretty much everything, what it might have done wrong, where it could have gone differently, and then what will the third movie do to fit into the pantheon of trilogies. So, I uh, want to start off with a little bit of historical perspective. People have been be- been bemoaning uh, the sequelism of the Hollywood studios for a while now. It seems like yeah. the past 10 years, everybody's like, oh, all we do are sequels. All we mm-hmm. do are sequels. First sequel made by Hollywood was in 1916, uh, The Fall of a Nation, which was a follow-up to Birth of a Nation. Yeah. This has been going on for a little while. Right. A right. little while. And in the 20s, uh, Hollywood just started cranking them out. Uh, mm-hmm. th- like, even the first Talkie the Jazz Singer had a uh, oh yeah a- had a sequel follow-up. It, so, this has been going on forever. How many Star is Borns can we possibly have? I'm saying at least three more. <laughs> uh, let's go for it. Let's, let, let, let's... Uh, and, and so many lines cross now, I think, between sequels and reboots and rebooted sequels. Oh, look I at mean, The Force just... Awakens. The Force Awakens is a reboot and... A sequel all in one. Mm-hmm. It's all the same story beats as the first one, although updates it with new characters. So it, 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 at this point, there's almost no difference. Oh, yeah. You know, you have... Uh, I love like meta sequels mm-hmm. too, you know? Like, wasn't there a uh, Elm Street where they're like shooting a movie about Elm Street? Yes. And then yes, absolutely. The, the cast members start getting haunted, right? Right, like, right. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, Scream did that as well. I mean, yeah. horror, horror is great at that stuff. Yep. Yep. Horror is great at that stuff. But you also have all, the, like Mary Poppins Returns just came out, right? Mm-hmm. They they had Dick Van Dyke show up in there, right? It, it's, and I hear he looks fantastic. I bet still, he does. those I bet he does. those twinkling eyes, yeah, yep. man, what a charismatic I know. guy, I, and a surprisingly like socialist movie too. I love it. Really nice, <laughs> right? I mean, it's oh, like, the, the first, the one, first yeah. one. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've I, I've not seen the new sure, one. Sure, sure. I've just heard that Dick Van Dyke right. still looks like. I now know why you couldn't dollars. hang out on the afternoon of the December 30th. <laughs> sorry, Jason, I got plans. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, I look forward to your review of the sequel <laughs> shortly. Um, you without the six year old daughter. So Bill and Ted's Bugs Journey. I'm not going to say this is ultimately necessary to have a great sequel, mm-hmm. but I think having the creative input of at least one of the, either the original director or the original screenwriters, um, definitely the original cast, all yeah. of that plays a huge role in it. For sure. So uh, we've referenced this movie two or three times on this podcast already. Gremlins 2, right? For my money, the best sequel ever made. It, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, without a doubt. It, it, it's amazing. Gremlins 2 is... Legit in my top five movies of all time. Yeah, yeah. And I think Gremlins 2 just really takes a lot of what we were just talking about into account. And it's just, it's so smart. It is, it is. You've got self aware. You've got Joe Dante (laughs) riffing on his own original script, right? Um, Christopher, I I don't recall who directed the second Gremlins 2. I don't think it was Christopher Columbus. Um, If only we had some sort of access to all of the world's knowledge that we could reference this. But it, w- it was Joe Dante. I mean, yeah, Joe Dante wrote both of them. Did, who directed? He, he directed Joe Dante. One. Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So they gave him the keys to the kingdom. They're like Gremlins. Cool. We loved it. Kids loved it. Made a ton of money. It wasn't that expensive. You do whatever you want. And then uh, Joe Dante did whatever he wanted to and made the closest thing to a live action cartoon that I think we'll ever see. There's even a great Key and Peele uh, skit about the writing of. Uh, Gremlins 2 and it's just it's all right it's it, it's it's all correct and it's just wonderful so you've got the, the original creative voice and then they let him off the leash and just let him go mm-hmm. and riff and do whatever he wants to do 
I think we see a lot of that in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a great sequel to compare it to. Also, it seemed like, especially with action flicks, sequels were super hot right around that time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's what, coming off the heels of Die Hard 2, Terminator 2 had to be close maybe just a year or two later? Yeah, Terminator 2 was a year or two later. And that's interesting because the original Terminator was probably a year or two before Yeah, I think it was Bill 84 maybe. Was it 84? Really? 83 or 84? I could huh, be okay. off there. But, uh, you know, it, it was early to mid-80s. And then they came out with T2, like mm-hmm. early to mid-90s. So you're, you're looking at like a gap of five to seven years there, right? Mm-hmm. Between sequels, which is probably, you know, uh, par for the course. Right. But, and, and with Bill and Ted, you're starting to seek, or tighten it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the Porky's movies, they had a, a few sequels. Um, Young Guns, Young Guns 2. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. of those as, those were, time-wise, had to be really close to the Bill and Ted movies, oh, yeah, I think. For right? sure. And I want, it seems like movies geared toward younger audiences seem yep. to get a lot more sequels. And I think that's just because, I mean, one, who wants to go see The Big Chill 2? The Bigger Chill. Mm-hmm. Or the, you know, the, the huge cult. I don't know. What, you, what would you call The Big Chill 2? <laughs> uh, the Deep Freeze? The Deep Freeze. The the Hot Yoga. Okay. The... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, that, that's the one where they get into Kevin Klein's, uh, you know, sweatshop employees at the shoe factory. And you're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. That's right. Yeah. Um, where you can't always get what you want. <laughs> you absolutely cannot. You absolutely cannot. Uh, unless that's getting knocked up by Kevin Klein. Then you can. Kevin Klein's wife being Phoebe Cates in Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Yes. Oh, All right. Yeah. There, there we go. go. There we yeah, go. Then, we're back. Then, we're back. Yeah, we're baby. back. We, we cycle, uh, circled that up. That's uh, definitely not getting edited out at all. That's no way. No, no I'm leaving that one in, pal. Yeah, that that's canon now. That's canon. <laughs> so, um, other you know other sequels like Die Hard Two, which I absolutely love, is almost essentially Die Hard except in an airport. You mm-hmm. know, it's story beat after story beat. You, you know, they they try to do a big twist with one of the villains right mm-hmm. they do um that was a little more outlandish than the first flick sure 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 um but it, a lot of fun everything they did was a little bit bigger you know a little bit bigger the scales were yeah. a, a little bit um higher there was an, actually a hostage situation as opposed to just you know bank robbers right. or robbers uh, pretending to be terrorists they were actually terrorists you know mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. so i uh, love die hard 2 and of course die hard 2 william sadler mm-hmm. King of the uh, 90s, sequel to 80s movies. Mm-hmm. It was also The Grim Reaper. Uh, you know, the Lethal Weapons, they had... I, I'm fine with saying that it's not just the Lethal Weapon trilogy. Kelly and I have been talking about this. Trilogies, right? So you've got these movies that are three, and it's a perfect set. It's mm-hmm. it's like a great set. Tells a, a compelling arc. Uh, the original Star Wars trilogy. Right. Obviously, there was Die Hard, which mm-hmm. remained... Let's see. When did the third... When did With a Vengeance come out? Like... 95, 96. 95 or 96, mm-hmm. right? And so that's... You had eight years, all three movies, yep. very tight, and then it wasn't until another decade, at least, right, until they decided to mess with that. Right, right. So that is a trilogy. None mm-hmm. of the movies that have the name Die Hard in them exist. Right. As far as... This- uh, 
Indiana Jones. Same. There's only three and Indiana they did, Jones They movies. did the same thing there, yes. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. The only movie I've ever walked out of. Mm, yeah. Uh, side note, the only movie that I've ever walked out of was a sequel, and that was City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. Ooh, rough. Yeah. Because yeah, that yeah. movie was terrible. Mm. That movie was awful. Mm. Just the worst. Yeah. I. It's been a long time since I've seen City Slickers. Yeah, well, remember Jack Palance, who played Curly, yep. died in... City Slickers. Mm-hmm. City so Slickers. did any prospects on a good sequel. <laughs> right. So uh, Jack Plants shows up as Curly's twin brother, and they go looking for Curly's gold. Yeah. And it's that's all I remember, except that it was terrible and I walked out. <laughs> and I was too young to drive at that point. So I just, I didn't have money for a phone call to have somebody come get me. I just left the theater yeah. and sat on a bench outside the theater waiting for my parents to pick me up. <laughs> Well, King, uh, Kingdom of Crystal Skull, the fourth, and I'm using air quotations. Yeah. Everyone uh, can see that. Indiana Jones movie. I think when he survived the nuclear blast inside the little refrigerator. That's, so you're talking about the very beginning of the movie? Yeah. Well, you know, it's probably 20 to 30 minutes in, I think. Is it? I thought that was like. I think it was the end of a, sort of the grand opening, but it, it takes a minute to get there, I think. Anyway, I don't know. That's I stood up and oh, left. Yeah, okay. Now I eventually rewatched it all on a streaming service. Okay. Still felt like that was a mistake. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not not a fan. Not a fan. Plus yeah. uh, Shia LaBeouf as what was it Mutt? Is that his name? Mutt. They were something clear, like that. They were clearly trying to hint that he might take over the franchise, and they just no, no, not at all. Yeah. Only person that should be named Mutt is a L.A. record producer, and then you marry Shania Twain. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good on Mutt. And then get divorced. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Bill and Ted 3, if it's going to be a successful trilogy, let's let, name some other successful trilogies real quick before I move on. Uh, Lord of the Rings, I would say, is pretty successful. Lord of the Rings, uh, Back to the Future. Yep. Uh, uh, which, obviously, very... Very close and 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 tied together, I think, to Back to the Future. How's that? How are Bill and Ted? I know we talked about that before. I don't know how Bill and Ted and Back to the Future could possibly be tied together. Um, you've also got the Before Trilogy by Richard Linkletter. Yes, which, is, uh, which you just finished watching. I just finished watching this past uh, weekend, and it was wonderful, just delightful. I cannot recommend those movies highly enough. So with, with Bill and Ted's, we're talking about a substantial amount of time between the second yeah, the third one. Yeah, right. you're talking about almost 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Are there other examples of that where that's successful? Ooh, mm. where you've got that? I w- okay, um, let's... I was a huge fan of the latest Blade Runner. Great call. Yeah, I think that... I thought it was phenomenal. I thought that was amazing. Holds up in some ways. I like it better than the first. I'm with you. I, I think it was just great. It, it did a wonderful job of recalling what came before it, adding something new, yep. and adding its own emotional stakes. Okay. Nice. So, nice call. Yeah. I, I will say it can be done. Mm-hmm. It can be mm-hmm. done. Uh, how much time was there between Chinatown and the two Jakes? 15 years, maybe? I right? would argue that was not successful. No. Yeah. So it can, it can go either way. But with the two Jakes... Almost as bad as... Caddyshack 2. Oh my god. Yeah. Terrible. I mean, that has to be in the top five of worst sequels ever, right? I think so. I think so. Okay. Um, I mean, are you counting part threes as well? Because obviously The Godfather part three was not great. Yeah, and, and you know, done 
done uh, much later. Fifteen. That was in '94. So. I remember going on Christmas Day with my grandfather and seeing our middle school PE instructor there mm. by himself. <laughs> Rest in peace, Coach Shahi. It's just uh, yeah, Coach. Yeah, Coach. Uh, it can be done. It can be successful, and we have high hopes. My, I, I have high hopes. I think. Yeah, I think so. I just with with Ed and Chris and Alex and Keanu all on board. Right. I mean, the the fact right. that the core four yeah. are so stoked for it and so excited about it. Mm-hmm. You know, that Chris. I, I just think they're all very mindful of the legacy. You know, mm-hmm. and and if they even shot it and was like, "This is terrible," they're not going to put it out. You right. Know? I, I I would like to think that that is going to be the case. <laughs> Who knows when a studio puts money behind it and they're like, "Okay, true." We'll see. Maybe. I don't know. I I have a lot of faith too because I don't think. Speaking with Chris, he was like, you know, nobody paid us to do this. We just wanted to do it to see what would happen, what would come of it. They didn't know the characters. They had no reason to do it. Chris was even transitioning out of screenwriting at the time. Mm -hmm. They did it as a labor of love. Shot it to Alex and Keanu, and they both got on board. And that's huge. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Because you you have a megastar like Keanu, who's like, yeah, I'll go back and do this thing. And then an incredible director like Alex Winter who's like, okay, you know what? I haven't acted in a long time, but I am absolutely willing to go back and do this. Right. You know, I don't think like Alex Winter at this point in my mind has this incredible integrity of he's kind of separated himself. He's like, yeah, that was me. I, I, I was in Bill and Ted, but now I am this other thing. I don't think you were that guy and you go back to Bill and Ted unless it's actually worth it. He's not yeah, the guy who's like, sure. oh, Bill and Ted, cool. I'll do Bill and Ted 7, Bill and Ted Gulf in Space. You know, it's... <laughs> he's like... It, it. There's a lot of potential there. A lot of potential. And I'm very excited about it. Ed did an interview, and he's talking about the script that they've got written and how it's... It, you know, they're, they're writing it keeping in mind that George Carlin has passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine in the story, you know, Rufus will have passed away, but that a character that it, 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 it seems that they're going to have a character that's Rufus's daughter. That's going to play a crucial role in the movie. That's my guess. And too. that's, that's pretty neat. Guess. And who are we talking to? We talked to somebody who told us that it was a very emotional scene. And what was it? Chris was Chris talking about that, but uh, yeah, it must have been him. How amazing is it that we've interviewed so many people connected to these films that I can't recall <laughs> who told us about the uh, emotional highlight or the, the emotional scene that, uh, you know, deals with Rufus's passing. So who would you get to play Rufus's daughter? Would you go for a, a female stand-up comic of our times? I, th- I think that would be a good call. I think yeah. that would be totally fine. Or, you know, you could get a Saturday Night Live, some sort of comedian for sure. For sure. Kate McKinnon. Uh, yeah, uh, she'd she'd be an obvious <laughs> choice. I, um, somebody as sardonic as Carlin would be hard to find. Um, I, if we were doing this 10, 15 years ago, I'd suggest Janine Garofalo. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I think she, she would have been, been great. Yeah. Now I don't know if she would work too well or would connect with audiences as much. You know, um, but uh, Kate McKinnon's great, like you said. Uh, it, I don't know. There, there are a lot of good options. There mm-hmm. are a lot of good options. And I we don't know that it's going to be the daughter. We know that Bill and Ted's daughters are going to be involved in the script. It's true. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because it seemed like at the end of Bogus Journey, they introduced us to little Bill and little Ted. That could be written away and explained by Wilhelmina and Theodosia. 
you know. I would love the idea of little Bill and little Ted turning out to be terrible children, and then they had daughters. <laughs> yeah, and the daughters and they, were they, awesome. Yeah. Do, do you think like uh, little Bill and little Ted went to go work with Uncle Deacon at his like uh, <laughs> hedge fund? <laughs> right. You know, they they spent their summers caddying at at Deacon Logan's golf course. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just run and blow little golf shitty boards. golf pros is what yeah. those guys are oh my i don't want to hate little bill and little ted i want to love them i want to love them as much as their fathers obviously do after returning from medieval england um but you know what it's, it's interesting so the plot of the movie they are um looking to write the one song that's going to save the future they've written thousands of terrible songs none of it works out a visitor from the future which we assume is rufus's son or daughter shows up and is like, you got to do this. They travel through time. They meet new uh, uh, historical figures and they learn much more than they anticipated. So uh, they also meet some musical greats. And right. I'm assuming one's going to be Elvis Presley because he's already been dealt with in the cartoon and the television series. But it would be cool if it was somebody else, you know, like, uh, I don't know, man. Um, Jimi Hendrix would be a, a good one, obviously. You know, like it would be weird to do Kurt Cobain, I think. Yeah. I don't know that I see Bill and Ted being big Nirvana fans. Yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I can see that because they were definitely into the hair metal and stuff. But, yeah. you know, they were also like, we, we've talked about this on the soundtrack, the second soundtrack, how you saw the early transitions to the grunge era popping up on that and how that soundtrack would have been completely different if it would have been at yeah. least three years later. I think they would have been bigger Pearl Jam fans. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, that just, uh, no, you I know. I, okay, I can see them being bigger Pearl Jam fans like the first two, maybe up to Vitology, but <laughs> I don't know if I can see Bill and Ted getting totally behind. They'll, they'll like, only appreciate Nirvana later in life, okay, which so, maybe that's what's happening now. Yeah, it, it could, Maybe they're finally entering their Nirvana phase in the third movie. Would it be weird to see them go and go <laughs> yeah. back and talk to Kurt Cobain about songwriting, knowing that Kurt Cobain had died two years or three years after, you know, the second movie came out with that. Do you, yeah. do you limit yourself to like, boomer and metal uh musicians or do you go maybe the ghost of lemmy from motorhead oh I don't wow know. that would i that, mean yeah yeah that would be cool somehow uh, ozzy osbourne's still alive so you can't <laughs> you can't go there well i mean yeah yeah it's true and i can't imagine them spending a lot of money on digital effects to like de-age ozzy osbourne <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know uh Historical personages, who do you think they, they would run into? Gosh, I mean, do you bring any of the OG characters back, or do you make them all musicians? I My understanding from the plot synopsis is that it's going to be both. Yeah. I think it's going to be both. Um, you, know, you could do, like, a Thomas Edison, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's true. Thomas Edison. Uh, do, like, Les Paul. Yeah. The yeah, guitar would, inventor or something, right? That, that would uh, be that would be great. Um Hedy Lamar would be pretty cool. <laughs> and yeah, so I think we both agree that this thing has a high possibility of being very, very good. Definitely. Um, it, it's got great DNA, and I think uh, they're going to do it right. Uh, the, the director that they've got lined up is perfect for it. Yeah, definitely rumored uh, Sadler is going to be on board. Yes. To yeah. reprise the Reaper. You got to bring back Grandma Missy. 
You've got to. You've got to. Oh my god, I that just, would be so great. I I hope they are able to do that. I hope that actress is available. Yeah, and uh, if you if you are listening, Missy, give us a call. We would love to interview you for this show. Um, <laughs> she's been a little hard to track down, uh, people. Uh, we've been trying. So um, let's talk about these cards real quick, man. Okay. So uh, Amanda gave us these awesome Bill and Ted's most atypical movie cards. These things, um, they include. Photos from both films, some photos from the TV series, factoids, cast photos, like candid shots. I'm looking at one right here, which is um, Bill, Ted, and the Grim Reaper in heaven right after they've mugged three dudes. And they are doing uh, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. (laughs) Just amazing. And the write-up is great. Bill, Ted, and the Grim Reaper travel to a most atypical place, only a few short moments in heaven, and they've mugged three people to get their... Lavender Garments. Bill, Ted, and the Grim Reaper must tell the gatekeeper the meaning of life. It's just, it's great. I wonder if these were actually released before the second movie came out, sometime after, if they were produced beforehand. Um, These also include these uh, scratch-offs, which I'm going to try right here. And, oh, scratching. You're going to win that bodacious trip. Yeah, Sandy. Oh, man. I already see the word sorry. Sorry, dude. Try again. Well, <clears throat> Kelly, it's great to be back in the saddle with you. I love, I, uh, I love that we're able to uh, keep talking about this. I'm looking forward to the next few episodes. This one has been great. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some more info on Bill and Ted Three now because filming is supposed to start pretty soon. Yep, that's what we that's what we've been told, and our sources are good now. Yeah. we have accurate sources. We here. actually have realistic, legitimate sources connected to the. <laughs> I don't understand the world we live in, dude, but it, it's pretty great. You know, it's not a bad world, especially uh, when you're being managed by We Own This Town Podcast Network. And Michael Eads, right? And Michael Eads, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to thank Scott Bricklin and Scooby Tunes music, music for the use of uh, Walk Away, our most bodacious. Good job with that yeah, one, buddy. Thanks. It's been a while, man. It's been a while. Uh, most bodacious theme song. And uh, as always, everyone, uh, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. You know, one thing I suppose we need to air is probably the most egregious thing ever done with San Dimas today. Uh, Jason completely blew an interview with William Sadler. I, we, we, we had a big fish on the hook. <laughs> Big fish on the hook, reeling them in, reeling them in. We got a response, uh, and these people have been wonderful. Everybody's been very responsive. We actually got, in response to one of our requests, uh, Mr. William Sadler, uh, the Grim Reaper himself, his agent reached out the night before and was like, hey, can you guys do 11 a.m. tomorrow? And this is the most egregious thing I've ever done for this show and against this show. I mean, I've forgiven you in my heart. Thank you. I had to cancel because I had a vasectomy scheduled for that exact time the next day. And, uh, yeah. So, Hey guys, San Dimas today is, uh, wandered into vasectomy territory. I had already rescheduled the vasectomy once. And I'm pretty sure my wife would have killed me had I not gone through that procedure at that point. I mean, I can't blame her. She, she's given birth to two wonderful children. Um, I've not done much of anything, so I figured that was the least I could do. But as opposed to 
actually getting to interview William Sadler, one of my favorite actors of all time. I was sitting on a slab, getting altered while listening to um, Yellow Tango's Green Arrow on repeat, which uh, the doctor said had never happened before. So that was... It's great. That sounds awesome. Is that too much information? It might be. I don't know. It, when, when you're editing, go back and think, is this on topic? <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing's going to make it in, man, I promise. Hey, it just if you need to make some cuts... Regarding my vasectomy, you got my permission. <laughs> Jason T. Mears, Esquire, everybody. Yeah, I'm a dad. 